that 85% of your engine wear occurs at startup? Yes, that is correct. And this is where lower the friction comes in by putting a protective lubricating barrier on all moving parts. This now gives you full-time protection to make your engine last longer, run smoother, give you better performance, and improved fuel economy. People across the country are reporting some very exciting results. Go to lowerthefriction.com, place your order, and enter in promo code SOS to get 5% off of your order. That's lowerthefriction.com. Well, hello, everyone. 
Welcome to the Secrets of Saturn live stream. I am Jason Lindgren, your host, in case you live under a rock and don't know that. Um, this week, we're having on James True and my friend, of course, Wayne McCroy. Uh, let me get everybody set up properly here because I literally just got done recording the Saturday show for Crow 777 Radio right before I got on here, which is why I'm a few minutes late. So let me refigure all of the stuff on the screen here. And we'll get James on here. Boom. Baldini is not joining us tonight, so we'll blop him off the screen. But how is everyone? Uh, it's been two weeks. Well, this will be three weeks now uh, that I didn't get to do a show because I was traveling. And then last week, somebody ate my internets, and it just wasn't happening, unfortunately. I hate it when people eat my internets. But anyway, gentlemen, you are welcome to uh, say hello while I'm fixing the screen, since everyone is on board here already. So, Wayne or James, feel free to say some bits. I'll be ready in two seconds here. All right. Welcome to Secrets of Saturn Live, everybody. James, welcome aboard the show. Good to have you back, my friend. Uh, looking forward to our conversation here tonight. Should yeah, be good. Too, yeah, me too, Wayne. Thanks for having me. It's great to see you guys. I'm glad you got the internet's back. And uh, I probably would have profited more had my internet gone down. In fact, I think I would have done better with my audience and everyone in general if I was the one that lost internet last week. You guys would have kept it on. So um, we'll have to coordinate more next time and see if we can fix that. Yeah, maybe, you know, between all of us, if, if one person's internet's working, you know, that might be good or <laughs> out of all of us here. So we could trade it around, I suppose. All right, that all looks smooth. I think we're good. You probably had a bit of an echo for a second there, and everyone's going to tell me because there's a 30 second delay, but I already fixed it. <laughs> but yep, echoing echo. I, lo I love the 30 second echo chat echo. room. But yep, we are good. We are good to go. Uh, let me know how if the sound is all good, and then we will take it away. All right. So we're, tonight we're going to explore the concepts of duality with our friend James True. So I'm just going to pass it over to you, man. I know you had done some material that some people, of course, were questioning the validity thereof, which I think is poppycock. I think all things should be looked at fairly. And um, yeah, I don't need to wax on about that. Go ahead, my friend. Take it away. Well, duality. Uh, <clears throat> I think that there is a danger to approaching and considering changing the framework of duality and how we view things with good and evil. And I poke things with sticks on my show. It's what we do. And I, I, I poke good things with sticks, too. Uh, one of the things that causes me a lot of contention is, is I poke good things, too. And when you poke things that make us feel good, that causes a lot of trouble. And good and evil, uh, the polarity of this all, is one of those things that um, is a big no-no. You cannot poke that with the stick. And <laughs> that started with Lucifer itself, the top, that topic itself. But really, it's a much broader topic because we truly are, are looking at redefining reality and morality with these different ideas of aperture and uh, 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 viewpoint, basically. Why don't you explain your concept of aperture? Uh, by the way, uh, I got the pleasure to meet James in person two weeks ago. Uh, what we actually did, Rose and I took a drive up to North Carolina, which was very nice, and um, got to hang out with Karen B. 
uh, Ted Summer, and see who else was there. A bunch of people were there. The the, the full night that oh, everyone showed up. Let's see, yeah. Bob Bob Nodell and Cammy. That was great. And their son. I got to meet their son. Um, yeah. Who else was there? Uh, Just Jake. Is that what he goes by? Just Jack. Just Jack. I, I'm terrible with remembering names. Uh, Zach was there. Zach, who we had on the show uh, a couple weeks ago. Just a whole bunch of lot. I'm so sorry if I'm forgetting everybody. But, uh, yeah, we had a great conversation, and um, you and I got to sit down for a few minutes and actually have a, a few minutes to ourselves. And when you started telling me about the concept you, you got going on here, I was like, oh, I want to do a stream on that. That's right up my alley. I love I, – I like current controversy for one thing. I just It amuses me to see people yeah. lose their shit over nothing. Kind of, <laughs> I'm kind of a jerk like that. I just think it's funny. <laughs> it's like, what are you losing well, your mind over? <laughs> So I I think at the heart of this, they're actually, it's not for nothing, although I really appreciate that. And and I really have to give a hats off to both of you guys because out of everyone that I've pitched this idea to, uh, you're the first one that's like, oh, no, no, we're doing this. And I'm like, well, you realize it's contagious. And you're like, oh, no, this is happening. This is totally happening. And you were texting and Wayne's like, oh, no, we're doing this. So thank you. Thank you so much for that. It, It This really does dive deep 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 into um germ theory of the psyche a spiritual germ theory and this spiritual germ theory is a side effect it's a a foundational side effect of theism itself the theology of theism all three branches judaism christianity and islam they all have this uh side effect that uh is corroding the foundation which is um zion this idea that that something is wrong, something is profane, but we can fix it, and because of that fixing it, we lead we lead ourselves to a manifest destiny or an exceptionalism. Uh, all of us do in, in these tiers of religion. We end up with this idea that there can be only one, that there's an objective answer, that there is one Holy Spirit, there is one Lord, there is one solution, and anyone who does not have that solution is therefore evil. And so in order to poke a stick at that, we really, really have to look at all these different terms and just start to redefine them, one of which is the word evil itself. The biggest part of the contention started when I suggested that evil is an adjective, not a noun. (laughs) And I'm not always very eloquent at, at wording that. It takes me time to refine my message. But the truth of what I've been trying to convey is that evil is an adjective, not a noun. We call things weeds right now. Uh, Monsanto declared war on the dandelion. They renamed it from dandelion to weed. It Mm. became the germ. It became the thing that was destroying Zion. Okay, Your lawn is Zion, a green lawn. To riddle it with this yellow weed is to uh, show irreverence to the Lord. It sounds like I'm being sarcastic, but if you follow this blueprint, you will see that this exact same idea of germ theory has been able to pervade literally every single aspect of our life. And the only way we can repair that is to take an archetype and perform surgery on it. That archetype just happens to be Lucifer. It just happens to be the concept of Satan versus Lucifer. And that I know, I know inherently as a philosopher, as a thinker, as a theologian, as a studier, as a psychic chiropractor, I know that the key to fixing this is we have to restore our archetypal understanding of these figures. Because if we don't, we end up breaking the motor 
that God, the fractal of God, gave us to use as a hero's journey, as a literal wheel that, that circles around. That we've broken Lucifer, which actually we need that as a step to ascend back into this, uh, the top of the motor. So basically at the top, you, archetypally, you have Christ. And then the Christ falls to man. And then the man falls to Satan. The Satan rises to Lucifer. The Lucifer rises to Christ. And by suggesting this idea, this piston, this uh, round revolutionary alchemical spiral... Um, I'm giving us a foundation to pull ourselves out of a pit, and anyone who's in love with victimhood is going to become very, very angry at what I'm suggesting. And that pushback against this idea is inherently built in on purpose into Zionism itself, and that's why it's been such a struggle. That's why we are we are thriving in victimhood. That's why we are suffering so much right now, because we are not able to overcome the idea that we are even worthy of rising ourselves out of the salt and into the oil and realizing our true potential, basically. That's what's causing all of this flack, all of this trouble, is is these deep, deep-seated issues. Wayne, what you got? You want to contribute anything here? I don't want uh, to hog the mic here. All right. Well, it sounds to me, James, like uh, basically you're just talking about... The- duality yeah. the system that we live in i mean that's exactly what it is and people need to realize this uh just trying to personify this uh you know lucifer as an entity or conveying the meaning of satan to lucifer um i think it's kind of a a misnomer in a way and here's what happened uh, the whole push of zionism has conflated this whole idea and turned it into something that the original meaning didn't mean with all of this. I, I actually took the time to listen to your stream that was so controversial where you were talking about Lucifer and the flip side of that, Noctifer. Um, and I thought that was really a great point. I mean, this is what we're looking at. It's, it's a dualistic system. And a lot of what you're describing here lines up with the works of people like uh, Walter Russell uh, mm-hmm. and different things along those lines. So, I mean, I, I can definitely see where you're coming from with this idea. And honestly... I don't think that uh, you're too far off base. It's just I think so many people have been so programmed in, in you know, the dogma of the churches and stuff that they hear the word Lucifer and they panic. And they, they think, you know, that this, this conflation of Lucifer with Satan uh, – is is actually this is this is evil personified and like you said evil's an adjective mm. and and that's the thing people need to understand is there a personification of evil forces i i think that's a possible thing um i mean we do see evil forces at play in the world but what you've got to remember is like crow always says we're in this cycle of necessity and hardship and this is where we exist at uh, so this this is a place of testing, and we do rise and fall. All this does is bring up the whole principle of you know hermetics and the cyclical nature of the reality we live in, and this is true. And and the first thing I thought of when I heard you speaking on this stream, I thought, wow, this sounds a lot like the Walter Russell stuff that I, I had looked at previous. And you know, sure enough, I looked it back up again earlier today. And it, it exactly sounds like that. It's the spiral up and spiral down. I mean, it's, it's you know, a different conflation of things 
than what people are used to. But if you want to study in religious philosophies and, and things of that nature, you're going to come across all different ideas like this. And this transcends all different religious aspects of things like this. This transcends cultures and religions and various philosophies, all of these basic archetypal ideas. And that's the thing people tend to not look at. They, they look at the personification of things, but they don't look back at the original archetype. And that's what we need to get past. We need to look back at what is this original archetype? What does this represent? What does this mean? And in order to do this, we need to do what uh, many of the ancient scholars, uh, you know, pre the Protestant Revolution, before them, before the Protestant Reformation, uh, what they did is they looked at these different concepts and stuff through a lens of something called hermeneutics, okay? And this is something people will generally learn basically only if they go to, like, uh, religious seminary or, you know, if they're studying theology and things like that. Hermeneutics, what this is, is this shows you, okay, and they, they knew this before the Protestant Reformation. This was commonly known thing among the different uh, theologians and the... Uh, the, the scholars and biblical scholars and stuff of the time, they look at things through this lens of hermeneutics. And what this is, is they teach in hermeneutics how to interpret Scripture in four different ways. There's four different levels of interpretation for all Scriptures. The first one's the literal interpretation. There's an allegorical interpretation. There's a moral interpretation. And there's an eschatological interpretation or a mystical or spiritual interpretation. And see, I think a lot of what the trap is that people have fallen into now is they're caught up in the literal interpretation, the literal reading of the Bible and things like that. So when these ideas are presented in a different way, they're like, time out, time out. It doesn't come through their cognitive dissonance because they're only programmed into this literal interpretation on the page. But the thing is, people who study religious philosophies, they've known for a long time and you know that there's different levels to this that you have to look at and there's different interpretations that need to be applied to different things so just looking at things on the strictly literal interpretation level sometimes gets people confused and and upset over things and this is what i think we're looking at with some of the materials that you've been presenting because if you look back at the archetypal ideas well it, it's just that. It's an archetypal idea. So there's nothing to get upset over. I mean, these are things... This shows how this world we live in operates. And I don't see anything wrong with that. And I do consider myself a Christian. So if other Christians are giving you flack for that, James, obviously they haven't looked into it. So they have to keep the book of Proverbs in mind where it says, uh, woe be it to him who uh, judges something like this. I'm paraphrasing here uh, and without looking into it. So if you dismiss something without looking into it, you're doing yourself a disservice. And that's that's basically the gist of it. Well, let's just talk about Lucifer for a moment. Uh, isn't the name Lucifer Latin? Yes. So was the Bible originally written in Latin? I, I don't think so, was it? That's I was getting ready to say that that uh, in, in fact, Wayne, we, we could even argue that if you were to interpret the Bible literally, you would not be able to use the word Lucifer where it's used in the King James Version, that before that, that was actually not there. And um, as, as we're pointing out right now, uh, the, Lucifer was a feature. It was a characteristic of Venus. It was not uh, a living entity. It was not an autonomous being. This idea that evil is a noun 
guys, is a freaking virus. And the reason why people are freaking out with me is because I'm telling them that if you want to know the true source of evil, you have to understand the word evacuation. This is not a battle of good versus evil. This is a battle of you being in your cockpit versus you being evacuated. Because every single time that you can point to evil in the world, I will show you that there is someone who is evacuated who's following a procedure. And by following that procedure, they get to sleep at night. They feel fine. And the only reason why they feel fine is because they've evacuated their adrenals, their cockpit, their endocrine system. They're not there looking at the gauges that God gave them to feel remorse, to feel empathy. And this is not up for debate. None of you get to type in the chat, no, feelings are subjective and it doesn't matter because you are ignoring science. I can hook you up to a functional MRI and show myself pictures of a puppy being tortured and your face will hurt. You will show side effects. You will show symptoms in your system, your electrical system, by simply watching my face. It is a lie for us to pretend that we are not empathic beings first and we're wandering around with this notion that our neocortex is somehow in charge of this grand machine and we have no freaking clue. And that's why I say things like the reason why certain people get so mad at me is because they fear their victimhood being lost. This is an electrical fear that comes deep. It's deep inside of this Zionism. This Zionism is not a politic, it's not a religion, it's not an ideal, it's the belief that you are inherently profanely broken, A, and that B, you do not have the insight or the skills or the capability of seeing that brokenness, which means C, the only salvation you have is to elicit and enlist yourself to the salvation of something else, namely Zion, namely terrorism, namely COVID, namely alcohol, namely war on drugs, uh, weapons of mass destruction, um, terrorism, every single aspect of this has been brought about by your projection, our mass projection of an evil germ that's inside of us that can be rooted out if we work hard enough and find evil. Think about it this way. You get to assign every single piece of the ether, you get to imbue with a feeling of good or bad evil or good. If I see something that you do, I can declare you good now. And in order to declare you good, none of us are doing the math well enough because we don't have that subtle second attention to realize that in order for me to declare you good, I have to create an entire matrix where I'm pulling bad from other people and exchanging it for this title for you to have good. That what I'm s simply doing is ranking you among <laughs> this spectrum that literally means nothing. And we're pretending that we have this objective measuring tool of good versus evil. And that's why we keep missing things. That's why we keep losing ourselves in these procedures because we, we've given up our ability to manage our own morality. We think that we are not God's instrument of morality when in fact we are. And the reason why we think we're not is because we do not want the vigilance or the responsibility of having to be accountable for our own actions. We want to be able to dismiss ourselves to the machine, to the procedure, to the, uh, the scripture, to the book, to the rule, to the code, to the law, to the idea, 
to the the fashion, to the fad, to the uniform, to the task, to the job, to the salary. All of that is evacuation, 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 and we love it. We love it because it makes the world easy for us, and we're not in touch with that. We're not in touch with our own addiction to that victimhood. James, we got a question specifically for you, but I really like your term evacuation. Can you break that down for everybody in case they're not familiar with the way you present that? Please pretend like that you were, don't pretend you are in the most sophisticated fighter jet that's ever been constructed by God. And it is the human body. And I'm in version 1971. And each of us have different versions. We're, We're born in certain years. We have certain characteristics, epigenetic wisdom, epigenetic trauma from our own family line, all that. You are living in the most sophisticated fighter jet ever invented. And to be evacuated is to leave your cockpit. It's to abandon your post. And when you're not fully seated in your body, when you're lost, when you're lost in addiction, when you're lost in pain, when you're lost in victimhood, you are not watching your gauges. And just like a jet ski in the water, when you fall off a jet ski, the jet ski automatically turns and it makes a right turn and it just keeps turning to the right, turning to the right, turning to the right so it won't fly away. Your cockpit does the same thing. But instead of turning to the right, it goes straight for psychopathy. It automatically steers into the black abyss of psychopathy. And if you want to know why, it's because God, that is God's will. God's will is that the moment you evacuate your cockpit, your entire fighter jet is now working for psychopathy. That is God's will because he wants it to burn. He wants it to hurt. He wants you to feel remorse when you leave that cockpit because you have the most sophisticated fighter jet at your disposal and you're screwing it up by pretending like you're not in charge, by pretending like you can tie a sock around the the joystick and turn around and do something else for a while. So this whole system is showing you, you cannot abandon your post. There are consequences for it. And what you think is evil is actually your own evacuation or your lack of compassion for why someone else has evacuated themselves. That's truly what we're slowly, slowly, slowly learning as this great best apocalypse ever is unfolding before us every day. And the question for you is, Is there a connection to the duality roots in Zoroastrianism? I don't know. When I think Zoroastrianism, I think that you're looking at a at a religion that presupposes. See, I I think Christianity is built on paganism. I think paganism is the cross. I think Christianity is the man on the cross, the man in the cross. These are all stacked on top of each other. And if we really want to understand how to do things, we need to understand archetypes rather than religion. And so (laughs) the archetype of the sun disk, the archetype of Zoroastrianism is a motor. And we need these motors to act like stilts. We take our beliefs and we use them like stilts and we stand on them for as long as we can until someone comes and chops them down. Then we have to find another stilt. This is how we move. And right now the stilt between Satan and Christ has a broken ladder. The entire uh, stair steps have been destroyed psychically, not just by King James, but by a lot of different elements, have purposely destroyed that. That's why paganism is shamed. That's why any kind of root, any kind of call to the root has been shamed. That's why the idea of exodus, of migration, has been praised, because they don't want you finding root. 
That's why there's all those stories in the Old Testament about burying and covering bones and, and powdering the bones. That's why the Catholic Church has all these splinters of fingers inside of parishes. There, there's so much to root that we don't know. There's so much to all this that we don't know. And that's part of the framework of this Zionism. Here's, here's the crux of it. The crux of it is it's not that evil, bad baddies are doing this to us. I know it feels that way, and I know that everyone's saying that. I need you to understand that there is a safety in victimhood, and we feel that safety, the amnesia that they that we accuse them of putting on us. Yes, that's true. They're putting on us. Yes, that's fine, but stop. For just a second, stop and realize that you want that amnesia too, because the more amnesia you have, the lazier you get to be the more victimhood you get to play. And I know it's impossible for us to consider that victimhood is good, but we relish this victimhood because we do not want that vigilance. We do not want that responsibility. And I'm telling you, this entire pyramid that we're seeing is inverted. It's inverted. And the entire power structure doesn't work the way we think. That This enslavement, what's keeping us down the most is our love of slavery. It's, I swear it is. And that, that blows people's mind, and it really, really freaks people out. And honestly, I think if anything probably sets people off the most, it's that. It's that I'm telling them that all of this power, all of this influence, all of this psychic energy is up for grabs, and it's in their hands. And, it, and they have to be the ones to grab it. And that is hard for people to swallow right now. Wayne, what you got? Well, I would say that uh, largely I, I do agree more or less with your assessment there. It is true. Uh, when you look at it, a lot of the major part of the problem is people don't want to take responsibility for themselves or their actions or anything else for that matter. And that's where we're at as a society today. Complacency will be our undoing. And that's largely what's been going on. Uh, I will disagree with you, however. I don't think it's really God's will for us to fall into psychopathy. I think that's a result of, uh, well, you know, if you go back to the story of original sin, man walking away from God. We were the ones that, that made the separation to begin with. And that's just a result of what happens when we walk away from God and we evacuate the vessel. Uh, so as far as that goes, that's, I'll, I'll disagree with you on a little bit of that there. But I do agree. Ultimately, it comes down, it's our responsibility. We should take spiritual responsibility for ourselves and not fall into this mentality of victimhood. And it is. It does become a comfortable thing for people. A lot of people make a living on being a victim. Or, or build a life around being a victim. That's what their identity turns out to be. They're a victim. And this is not right. We, this is all about uh, being a responsible human being for yourself. Growing up and being an adult, and that's a, a lot of the problem, is the power structure is designed to try to keep us down in this perpetual state of childhood. And this is what it is. So the authoritarian figures tell you what to do. And most people don't break out of that victimhood mentality. And that's kind of what's going on. So, yeah, although I will agree, there are, you know, people in positions of power in this world that are looking to further their own ends. Largely, a lot of the problem is ourselves. 
in not taking responsibility for ourselves, not stepping up, not saying something, not doing something, and, and just being complacent. Oh, somebody else will take care of that. And you have the same things going on. I mean, if you look all through our systems of government and everything else, this is largely what we do. Oh, well, we'll elect this guy. We'll let him go to Congress and figure this stuff out for us. That's that's irresponsible. And that's that's what it all comes down to. <laughs> People don't want the responsibility of having control or power over, first of all, not not even their own lives, let alone having to worry about the others around them, like worrying about their 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 tribe or their their family unit or, or anything else. They don't want that responsibility. And and that's the thing. So largely they kind of push it away. And this this is one of the biggest problems we have going right now. But people are starting to wake up, I, I see. And sometimes hearing a truth like that is uncomfortable. People don't want to admit, okay, yeah, I've been a victim, but I'm kind of comfortable in that little niche of being a victim and uh, using my victimhood to get myself further. And that that's the thing. They make it so easy right now in a lot of respects. It's, it's easy in society right now to be a victim and to actually get further in life by being a victim than by actually stepping up and taking responsibility and and doing the things that god willed you to do and that that's the thing i mean it's it's all a matter we have that free choice it's all free will it's the greatest gift god has given us is free will we could choose either way we could play the victim and you know abdicate our will to somebody else and evacuate our vessel like you described there so eloquently or we could stand where we belong, take responsibility for ourselves, and take control and direction and not allow that victimhood mentality to rule us, and we could be free men. And that's where we're at right now. It's a big decision that needs to be made by each individual. So, you know, I, I mean, I, I don't know how much better we could maybe describe this for people, but, yeah, I agree with your overall assessment there. That's, that's essentially what goes on here today. And it is very cyclical, and that's the thing. You'll see ebbs and flows of this all throughout our, our written, recorded history and, you know, different things like that. This is why we have conflicts and wars and different resolutions and things like that, because from varying degrees, people are going through different struggles with this whole kind of idea. They don't want to be responsible for themselves, but if you're not responsible for yourself, at some point there comes a time when the person that you abdicate your will to does something you don't like and you know if it gets to be in large enough numbers that they're doing stuff that you don't like at some point the tables turn and you know the ebb and flow of time takes over and the cycle continues around and goes the other direction and i think we're at a changing point in the cycle right now let's tie all this into the modern crap that's going on right now we could do the victimhood and the evacuation as james put it, puts it uh, the victimhood well Everyone's being told by known liars, let's just be blunt here, known liars are telling you that there is a massive issue going on right now, but hardly anybody can possibly even confirm this for themselves uh, or know anybody that even has a problem to begin with. I, I think that's pretty much the what's going on, right? Like, can anybody actually disagree with me there? I mean, the most I ever hear is I know of someone who knows of someone who had whatever. Have you deleted anybody off your contacts list because you, you've got dozens of people dropping dead? I don't think so. I don't think so at all. So this perceived victimhood, you're evacuating yourself to be that victim. Uh, if I'm taking your concept correct here, James, these people are taking what the mainstream media is telling them. They're accepting it as gospel. They're, they're 
all become a bunch of germaphobes over nothing. I mean, you ever see their eyes bug out if you walk into a store without a mask on? Good grief. And they're willing victims. They love it because they're all going along with it. They buy it. They don't question anything, even though the mainstream narrative has flipped three times just in the past six months that this nonsense has been going on. And yes, it's been going on for six months, folks. They've got a bunch of idiots convinced that flu season is alive and well in the middle of August. Poppycock. Anyway, they're just letting themselves be manipulated and taken over. But uh, James, what do you think? That I don't know if I said that as well as I, I thought I might have, but go ahead. Well, so one of the reasons why I think that psychopathy is God's will is because of the alchemy that happens through strife. Um, I believe that, that this is an, a dojo earth that we're in, and, and I believe God is our mother. Um, just for the purpose of this analogy, I'm not trying to start any fights about gender here, <laughs> but God is our mother for this analogy, and she wants her son— to have a certain resilience and confidence to him. And she decides the best way to do that is to take him to karate. Now, she can't put on gloves and take him out back and just beat the shit out of him after school one day. I mean, she could, but it would not have the same kind of therapeutic effects as if he was enrolled in karate. Once inside karate, he would have a sensei. He would have a sparring partner whose job was to deceive uh, him in a, uh, a manageable environment and allow that, that child to learn resilience and learn self-defense. That environment would have to have a fairness to it so that the child could at least compete. And that fairness that you see is called consent. And everything in this world that I see uh, that's done to us by uh, a governmental authority or an overreach is done with consent. Uh, people aren't running out of the trees and sticking me with needles and then running out. There's not flying monkeys that do that. They're not. There, no one is shooting anyone in the head for 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 not believing a certain thing. At least that I've seen experientially. No one after World War II uh, shot every single person that would not enlist that would not sell themselves to the machine. So what I see is, is a psychopathy that is literally the sensei, the, the Lord technology, the Satan, what we call Satan is, is literally the hired hand of God, the mother, as our sensei, as our teacher. And that's why I say this about psychopathy. Because when you evacuate, the penalty is you're going to get swiped and land on your, on your ass. Now, it's one thing for you to be punished by it hurting your ass, but it's quite another if you were to hurt other people around you. You would start to feel the pressure of that even more as you're destroying other people's lives. And so this psychopathy, as terrible as it seems, it's only terrible when you look at the sensei, when you look at karate class as a victim. You see, when we enter karate, we forget why we came here. We forget why we were born. And so when we're born, we're enlisted in this class, but as soon as we walk in, we're being slapped in the face with a board by sensei, and we're taking it personally. We're like, why are you doing this to me? What did I ever do to you? Oh, woe is me. I'm a victim. This is hurting. This is killing me. And it changes our entire attitude about why we're here and what we're here doing. 
All this to say the reason why I think that the corona is exactly the way it is, the reason why people are wearing masks is nothing to do with the neocortex. They're solving an electrical connection they have inside themselves. They've been uh, giving away their power for so long that they literally feel shame as it's being secreted so much more from them. It's being extracted from them. They've been told over and over again, you can trust me, baby. You can trust me. It's all right. <laughs> and then we're, and they're getting beaten again and again and again by the same man. And it's all done through consent. It's like, but I love you, baby. Come home. And they keep doing it. And what happens? 71 vaccines, 72 vaccines, 73 vaccines. Now you got to wear a mask. Now your kids are going to have to live in plastic. Now you're going to have to stay home. Now you're going to have – all these are beautiful psychopathic lessons that Sensei is slowly upping the curve on. And this system, this mechanism happens through evacuation. It's only happening through evacuation. No one has this master plan in mind. Fauci is not sitting there going, hee, 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 I am doing it. – it, no. He's <laughs> too evacuated. If he wasn't evacuated, his own guilt – his own stupidity would kick on and he would say, I'm not going to do this. Why would I destroy my reputation? It's only through his evacuation that causes this to happen. So all of this is built off the consent that we gave by evacuating. Wayne? Okay, so I, I kind of see your premise there. Um, and I could say, yeah, a lot of people... Uh, have kind of evacuated this this whole notion of self-responsibility and that kind of thing. And I see where you're coming from. Uh, but once again, I will respectfully disagree with you on the whole premise that the psychopathy is actually God's plan for you. I don't see it that way. I see the psychopathy effect as being that we, being man, uh, thinking that we do not need a creator or, uh, you know, a, a God per se, separated ourselves from God in this way. And the result of that separation from God is to naturally turn to this psychopathy. Uh, I don't think that's necessarily God's will for us. Now, we do encounter, uh, say, bad things in life, and I do agree that that is part of this whole uh, cycle of uh, necessity and hardship. This is how we learn. And uh, I, I think God allows these bad things in this world for that purpose. So I agree with you there. I just don't think that's God's ultimate overall will for people to have to turn to psychopathy in order for that to to help them to grow spiritually. I, I don't see it that way. I think it's kind of a reverse flip of the switch from that. But I do agree that most of what we see if not all of what we see in the world, is total inversion. See, what has happened uh, through the different ages and stuff like that and up into the modern day is all things have been inverted. It's a total inversion of the natural order, and this is what's going on. And there are people at the top of the power structure that I do believe do have some conscientious uh, work into this whole idea to bring about these different things now, I'm not saying that's everybody up there. And is there a greater power at work? Definitely. Uh, but here's here's my view. I think that what has gone on is a perversion of what the natural alchemical principles were supposed to be and what God has intended for us. But because we made the separation from God ourselves, this has been allowed 
to come into manifestation in our reality. And through this, we can actually strive to uh, gain reunification with God. And that's kind of what's going on. I don't think God's will for us was for us to turn to this uh, psychopathy, per se, but for us to learn from it and not turn that way. So it's not to say we necessarily have to turn to this kind of a thing in order to uh, gain our reunification with God. There's, there's an easier way. There's a better way. And sadly, though, largely what we've done as a society is we've separated ourselves from that idea, and we're going headlong into this whole eschaton. You could call it what you want, eschaton, Kali Yuga, whatever it is. But this is what's going on, or, or you call it the best apocalypse ever. And that's where we're at right now. I mean, this is a changing of the cycle when it comes down to it, because this is a cycle that we're going through. And sadly, we haven't learned from the past cycles yet. And that's why we're repeating all of this stuff again. I think this stuff does go around over and over and over through history and repeat itself. And a lot of this is largely because, first of all, we've separated ourselves from God and, you know, from our creator. So by doing so, we've invited these quote-unquote evil things upon ourselves. And in so doing, this is what you call the evacuation. And in so doing, this is what brings on, say, that psychopathy into people when they do evacuate. It doesn't have anything to do with God willing that to be so. It's just the natural result of us separating ourselves from him. So putting the onus on God as God is doing this to us in order to bring us back to reunification with him. I don't see it this way. It's I see it as we made our own choice to separate ourselves from God and have to go through this if we want to reunify with him. And sadly, I think there are some folks in this world that do not want reunification with God and seek to usurp him instead. And this is where we get into uh, this power struggle that's going on right now. This is where we get into this uh, role reversal here with everything. This is where we get into the inversion of the natural order by these people and the inversion of all the natural alchemical processes and alchemical sciences that we see going on right now. So this is something that, that's going on largely all around us that we see, but we could actually have some input into, but most people don't want to step up and take responsibility and say, hey, no, this is going a wrong direction. We need to do something about it. Instead, they fall into that, well, I'll just go along to get along victimhood mentality, and this stuff rolls over them. And this is kind of where we see ourselves today. Complacency is not the answer for people, but it's largely the uh, the tact that people have taken up in this time. Well, complacency is, ne <clears throat> excuse me. complacency is never the answer. You don't level up with complacency, right? So let me nerd out here for a second. I used to play Dungeons & Dragons many moons ago. And let's talk about the fact that people in reality aren't uh, what do they call them? Alignments. You're not lawful good. You're not neutral good. You're not chaotic evil. You're not those things. People are whatever they want to be. They make those decisions. I think that's a pretty fair statement. You are whatever you want to be. Whatever intent you want to put out is what you put out. Therefore, you don't subscribe to like, I'm chaotic evil. So therefore, I have to go over and do these terrible things. I have to go steal from this person. I have to kill that person, whatever. You don't do that. That's, that's just not the way the real world works. Conversely, you cannot be complacent because without these experiences, without, say, 
people doing bad things in the world, you aren't going to learn and level up. Is it something like that, James? I, I, yes, it is. And, and, and I want to, I, I want to push even further guys, because I love how Wayne is, is, is hearing my point, but still, still saying he disagrees. I, I think this is a beautiful discussion and I want to, I want to push it even further by, by saying this, I am, I am explaining a system where psychopathy, atheism, sin, what we think is evil, all of it is God's will. It is inside God's machine that he built for us. And I'm here to tell you that we did not stray away from God, that we were born with amnesia in a realm that allows us to think that God does not exist purely, purely for the ability to allow us to have privacy from him. And that what God wants most for us is to experience a privacy from him long enough to see what happens to us long enough for us to to wriggle on the vine long enough for us to uh, d explore the depravity or the salvation of our true grit in an atmosphere where we feel like no one's watching where no one's holding us accountable where there is no witness and that truly what we fear about the Illuminati, the all-seeing eye, the eye of providence, the only decoration on the Great Pyramid, the eye, is truly the symbology behind that is that the eye of God is watching you. And that when we know the eye of God is watching us, we have entered into a certain form of uh, symbiosis that doesn't allow us to fully express his splendor in our dissolution, in our amnesia from him. And so Dojo Earth looks like a ball. Dojo Earth looks like a, a planetoid spinning inside a vacuum that God cannot hear your voice inside this vacuum. He cannot hear you scream because the speed of sound itself is being sucked in a vacuum of endless shrinkage. And it's ever-expanding, it's growing forever and ever, and there's no way God will ever hear you. And that's giving you the opportunity to literally masturbate without anyone watching, or so you think. And so as this great apocalypse happens, the corona, what's truly happening is your aperture is opening. You're realizing that what you thought you had is not true. You're turning around in the changing room. And you're noticing that there's a camera there the whole fucking time. And it's making you freak out and you're putting masks on. And you're <laughs> acting very weird and you're doing strange things because you've been caught. You're like, I stuck myself with 72 vaccines and you watched the whole time. And I <laughs> cut the end of my penis off. And I, and I said that, 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 that abortion was a reproductive service. And, and I killed this other guy because he wasn't wearing the right color uniform. And I sent my kids to this shithole school. I, I, I feed my uh, – it, you, you understand. We're, the realization of what we've done to ourselves, the realization of our own victimhood is like waking up to the most shameful thing that we've ever done and realizing that people have been watching this whole time. And that terrifies us. It, we're exposing our victimhood in broad daylight. People are seeing the, the, the zits and the pimples on, on the flat of our white ass and it hurts, it burns so much 
that it, it, we were consumed by this fire and the rapture that you're seeing right now, the rapture that you're seeing right now is 100% consent based. You are either going to drive yourself deeper into the machine out of shame are you going to run out of that with your ass on fire saying, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I want out, I want out, I want out. And there's no wrong answer because God is harvesting both of us. He's harvesting the most loyal, the most dedicated zeitgeisty, and he needs that. He needs that holy oil because that, those people will do anything. They will wander through the desert for 40 years on monoatomic gold. They will eat nothing but gold if they have to because that's how devout they are to the zeitgeist. They will take any vaccine. They will kill anyone. They will do anything it takes to show their loyalty. And on the other side are these sovereign Bigfoot Ewok guys that are like, no way you'll take me down, man. No way. And that's the wheat and the chafe. And in between are all these people that are going to be munched and they're going to enter the machine again. And this entire process is going to start over. So I'm describing the psychopathic blender that God set up on purpose that's all run on consent. The entire thing is run on consent. And it happens through evacuation because the moment you evacuate, you start to buzz to the hive. And the hive tells you men or women. The hive tells you uh, enhance your boobies. The hive tells you cut your face. The hive tells you put penis cream on your lips. The hive tells you all those things because you evacuate to it. And that literally is God's will. He's there to show you how shameful and how horrible it is to evacuate ourselves. I'm sorry that's such a long explanation, but it, it just needs to be kind of outlined because the entire thing is inverted when you look at it this way. Wayne? Okay, and I, I could see your point there. And uh, it is all about total inversion, isn't it? And that's basically what's going on. Uh, I think the principle behind this is that uh, basically uh, God's will for us and system that he had in mind for us has been usurped, first of all, by our willing separation from him. And second of all, by, say, uh, spiritual manifestations that do not have the best interests of this place in mind. They don't belong here. So, with that being said, they're trying to develop this place into something different than what God had intended, and that's what we're going through. That's the psychopathic blender that you see. I don't believe that this is God's will for this place, but I think God, in his mercy, made a way out for us. And that's why we could turn this around and still... Uh, you know, be able to reunite with God. But like I said, there are people at the top of the power structure, and there are entities or forces at the top of the power structure that have something different in mind. They don't want uni reunification with God. They want to become God and usurp God. And I think that's largely what's going on, is we see the infighting between whatever these people and or forces are and what God's true will for us is. And that's what's going on. And that's why it would appear that uh, perhaps we're being sliced and diced through this whole system. Uh, but I don't see that as being what God's initial will for us was. But because he was uh, a gracious enough uh, creator to give us free will of our own, when we separated from him, uh, we knew in no uncertain terms that this would be the result. And you could see that back in the Garden of Eden story uh, where, you know, they were told, if you eat of this fruit, you will surely die. Well, that's that's what's going on. That, that promise has been fulfilled, and that wasn't necessarily God's will for us. He didn't want to see us suffer, but we chose the suffering, and that's where we're at. So, you know, we could argue the semantics of it. I'm not disagreeing with your overall premise. 
I, I think it's mostly correct. I, I just don't see, uh, you know, my creator God as as having that as part of his will for his his creation that he loves. He didn't initially have that in mind when he created it, when he created us. And uh, I have my own personal walk with God. And, uh, you know, this is not the personage that I know would not do something malicious like that. So, you know, it was given to us the free will. We could choose which way do you want to go. Do you want to uh, to seek out this this extra knowledge of good and evil, or do you want to be content to live and and have a full, happy, fulfilled life in unity with God, or do you want to see what the separation is like? And we chose the separation. And that's basically what happened. So now we've been striving through all of human history to get back to this unity with God, to know what it is to be at oneness with God. And that's what atonement is, at onement with God. And that's what we seek, and uh, that's what we're, we're talking about here. Now, we, we may have different views of the semantics of it all, but at the end of the day, I'm not disagreeing with your premise. Uh, I could see where you're coming from with this and it, it does make sense. So. Yeah. And that's, and that's really, I, that's all I really want to do on my show. My goal is not to recruit anyone. It's to unlearn things. And I, it, it shouldn't be such a violent act for me to explain Dojo earth, just like I've done now. And it should be beautiful that, that, that we disagree because it's different facets. It's a, it's a kaleidoscope of belief. And until we can get there, uh, to me, the, at the heart of it, what makes it so difficult to hear these different ideas is the idea that there can be only one. There is a quickening uh, that's been installed in us with Zionism where there can be only one, where there can be only one way. And you're not doing that with me, Wayne. You're, you're saying, I, I understand your position. I disagree, but I understand it. You're not doing that. You and I are having a beautiful discussion about it. And I... I the more of us can do that, the more we're going to find our accuracy about who and what right. God is, is going to come into light. So I, I and the more we're going to learn, and I agree with you, the more we're going to learn, the more we have these type of conversations. See, we can still keep it civil and disagree, and we could agree to disagree on things. But at the same token, I think there's a lot more things that we agree on than the things we disagree on. When it comes down to it, I think when it's more just points of view and the terms you're using, man. It's just, Pr pretty much. I'm I mean, kind of taking a, a backseat here and hearing what both of you are saying, but it doesn't really sound all that different to me. I think you're just using slightly different terms and thinking there's more confusion and disagreement than there actually is, but I could be wrong. Well, it, that's the thing. I mean, when we look at this, we could agree to disagree on some of the semantics of it or some of the fine points on things. But uh, what James is pointing out is this is the system that we're in. Now, how that system got here and why it looks like it does, that's open for debate. None of us could truly know that for fact or for sure from the get-go. But it's important we have discussions like this, and it's important that we, we have different points of views. Like, that's the thing. This whole truth movement thing has turned into a giant echo chamber for people. And, you know, we we don't necessarily agree or see eye to eye on some points of this. But here's the thing. There are certain things that we could agree upon. And those things that we agree upon, you know, we could learn more about them by discussing these ideas with each other. And that's the thing. And, and people need to be civil with one another with this stuff. 
you could disagree with somebody or have different viewpoints from them, but isn't that what makes life beautiful? Mm. Like, seriously. Wouldn't it be boring if we all agreed with each other all the time or all, we all saw things exactly the same way? And and that's where we're at. I mean, I understand where James is coming from. Uh, he's done a lot of really, really deep thinking. I mean, obviously, uh, he's done a lot of philosophical thinking. He's well-researched on everything he does. I, I've seen a lot of his stuff. And uh, like I said, I think we agree on more points than we disagree on. But at the same token, we have different viewpoints and we come from different places and we've had different personal experiences. And I think that's what trumps everything is the personal experience. Uh, people learn mostly from their own personal experiences. And that's the kind of thing we need to be able to agree is okay. We could have different personal viewpoints and personal experiences and have different views of these things. But there are some critical points that we do agree upon. And that's something we could build on. And that's what building relationships and stuff is about. So it's not always we're, you know, I'm right and you're wrong. That kind of thing. That's not always the way that it is. So, and that's not the way it should be. We should be able to discuss these things rationally and without being rude to one another or anything like that. And come at each other with our different viewpoints like we have. And still walk away amicably from it. And that's that's something that's kind of lacking in the truth community, and I think it's important that we had James on just because of this. Because we knew going in, James, you and I have some different viewpoints on things. Mm -hmm. But I think it's a little surprising we agree upon more things than we disagree upon. Wouldn't you say so? You know, I think that's a good thing overall. Well, yeah, let me throw this to know, both of you guys, though, James, and then you can take it back. Uh, aren't we really just talking about different flavors uh, Wayne, you're, you're chocolate chip mint and James, you're Rocky Road and but we're, we're both talking about ice cream here I'm butter pecan by the way <laughs> well I'd like to get I'd like to get us to the point and I think we are there I, I think this is an excellent example of us being there I would like to get us to the place where we're no longer agreeing and we're understanding because I, I think when, when we focus on understanding versus agreeing, we're, we're on a whole other playing field now. And that truly is leaving this world of duality. It truly is leaving this world of, of the quickening, where there could be only one. It's my favorite because movie, by the way. We start, we start to notice that, wait, 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 this is better. This is like better when we have these different when we have these different things that that we have the ability to build to build our mind palace in such a way where others can see it and that when each of us can see our own mind palace our own cosmology our own macaroni drawing of god that that is only going to make our macaroni drawings that much more epic every time we do one and that as long as we approach this that guys it doesn't matter how much macaroni you do i don't care how three-dimensional it is i don't care how big it is when at the end of the day, you're going to be bringing God a freaking macaroni and glue drawing on construction paper. That's going to be your closest idea of what this universe is all about. God is going to find that a little bit elementary. And it doesn't matter how hard we try. So calm down. None of us are going to get it right. It's impossible for any of us to get it right. It's going to be better if we understand each other. That by understanding each other, our macaroni drawings on the refrigerator of God can talk to each other in such a way where God's looking at it. And um, imagine that you have an ant farm, and that ant farm that you're watching them build the little passageways, and you wake up one morning, and those ants have carved out a giant smiley face, and it says, Hi, God. That's about as close as we're ever going to get. 
to showing God, here's what we think is right. That's the closest we'll ever get. So we're automatically going to get it wrong. So let's stop pretending that one of us has the right answer. And let's start focusing on how to understand each other's answer, which I hate to break it to you guys, but I literally just described Hinduism. (laughs) Right, Wayne? (laughs) Yeah, man. Here's the thing. Like, uh, it, it is. It's important that we have this understanding. I think that's the imperative thing. Now, we may come to this understanding through different methods or different uh, different paths, but having this understanding is the important thing, and we can have this understanding. And it's also important that we understand each other's points of view and, and how we're thinking and stuff. That's why it's important also that we know what, uh, say, the the people that we consider are our polar opposites, what they believe and what they think and what they understand. It's important that we understand that too. It's important that we understand the philosophy of the Freemasons or, you know, the quote unquote Illuminati, whatever people want to put in that term. You know what I'm saying? It's important that we understand what their thinking is, what their philosophy is, what their outlook is, what their motivations are. Because if you don't understand that, you're going to be totally in the dark, like totally in the dark with the things going on in the world right now and you just look at the surface narrative of everything and nothing makes sense but once you start to understand those people that don't necessarily have your best interests in mind and take the responsibility back for yourself then and only then will you have that understanding so that that's the whole thing. You need to look at where are they coming from, what motivates them, what are their thoughts, what are their beliefs, what are their viewpoints. And then when you look at the things that they look at and understand what it is that they know, then you could know more about yourself and know that you're ultimately your own pilot, that you're the one who has to guide yourself through this maze that is Earth. And this is where we're at. This is where we exist and we're here for a reason, and it's a, a, a cycle of necessity and hardship. We're here because we need to be here because we've made that initial separation with God. And the only way to restore unity with God is to go through this and do this. And we chose that ourselves. And that's my viewpoint. I know you may have a slightly different viewpoint, but that's where we're at. So here we are. We're, we're here we're going through this. We're living in a very interesting time right now uh, where we're seeing this changeover in, in cycles and a, you know, a spiritual awakening of people. And we're recognizing these spiritual truths, this, this ebb and flow, this cycling going on, this up and down, this Jacob's Ladder thing. Uh, we, we could see all this going on, not only individually, but uh, in the mass consciousness as well. I mean, the public is going through this, and they're in the throes of this, and a lot of them don't even know exactly what's going on. And they, mm-hmm. you just see this they, as anxiety from the vast majority of the public, because they don't understand that these are the times we're in, this is what's going on, and it's a spiritual thing. They're not seeing it, and they're stuck in this cycle of complacency, and the thing is, the cycle's about to change, so the energies are shifting. And the energy is shifting. They're not recognizing that because they're still stuck in this, you know, complacent type of a mindset and not wanting to take responsibility for themselves or to have to think of these things. And that, that's the thing. Thinking about spiritual things makes people uncomfortable in this world. And in old times, in ancient times, that wasn't necessarily the case. In the times of the philosopher kings and things like that, 
they like to think of lofty things like that, lofty spiritual ideas. That's not our society now. We're very mundane. We've been kind of ingrained with this hyper-materialist kind of philosophy. And it's so ingrained in people, it's hard for them to let that go because they think that, quote-unquote, science can solve any problem that they have. And it's the, the ultimate answer to everything. And that's not necessarily the case. That's not going to bring us back to unity and at one with God. And this is where people are at. They think this science that could potentially give them immortality or give them total control, they think that this is the path to becoming God, that they don't need God. But here's the thing. We have this spiritual yearning, and that could only be fulfilled by reuniting with God and becoming one with God. And we can't do that without God, and that's what they're trying to do, and that's kind of the system that's going on today. There are people in this world, and there are powers at the top of the the structure here controlling things that are pushing this idea, and they truly want this idea. They want to become God themselves by usurping God, not becoming one with God, which was, in my view, what the ultimate plan is, is redemption to God, becoming one again with God, not usurping God and becoming God yourself. That's not what the plan is. Not in my view, anyway. But that's what their plan is, and it's a total inversion of natural law, and it's a perversion of the different alchemical sciences and philosophies and stuff that have been brought forward. And, you know, this this cycle of necessity and hardship we're in, this particular cycle right now, where we're seeing all this stuff with the masks and the dehumanizing of people, this is leading more and more people to this evacuation that you're speaking of. So this is trying times. This is It's like a do-or-die type situation right now for people. It's either you spiritually wake up and progress, or you completely evacuate and degress. And that's where we're at. It's a, it's a critical time, and it's important that people kind of understand these ideas, because understanding, that's what it's about. So when you understand like this just basic spiritual concept that you're talking about of if you evacuate yourself, you're leaving an empty vessel. Something's going to fill that vessel, and it's not going to be something godly. So that's kind of where we're at right now. People are giving up, and we don't need people giving up. So it's either you give up. Or you rise spiritually. That's the cycle we're in. So the people that are giving up are just making it worse for their prodigy, for their, their future progeny. So that's that's what's going on in a nutshell right now with the times that we're living in. So you could see how these uh, spiritual ideas are, you know, even though we come at it with different viewpoints, it's important that we discuss them. And it's important that we understand different viewpoints. Because if we don't, then we're kind of left just wondering and not understanding what's going on. And then we're more likely to do that evacuation thing, to just give up and evacuate ourselves. So it's important that we we discuss these things. That's the bottom line. You know, James, there are several people in the chat room, I'm trying to follow it as best as I can here, who seem to be absolutely obsessed with the very black and white concepts. Yeah. Yeah, a couple people are asking me questions. And, you know, look, they keep trying to put the like like what you said right at the beginning. Evil is a noun and things like that. It's it's about intent. Like I always say, I say I say this all the time. I feel like I never stop saying it's all about intent. What do you want? But that doesn't mean that just because 
uh, you do one thing one time, you don't, you can't do something else the other. It, it, there is this choice that's, I don't know how else to explain it, it, you know? I mean, are there things that aren't nice to do to people? Obviously. Um, don't do those things. I mean, you should know better. But e even the elite themselves, like, like let's take the whole Freemason thing. You walk into their hall, uh, and there's the, the black and white check and bo checkerboard, uh, you know? And a lot of people think that uh, the Freemasons are about as evil as you get. And there it is. They're demonstrating the duality right there before them. So obviously that means something significant to that fraternal society, right? And mm -hmm. guys, carry this for two seconds. I have a, I didn't drink enough water headache, and I'm going to go fill my jug up. I'll be right back. Well, I, I'll, uh, I want to tell you the only way that I've noticed that I can make any progress at all in, the, in any of these issues is I have to stop listening to the words people are using. Um, Colton is a perfect example in the chat right now of someone who it doesn't matter the words he's saying because there's an electricity that's happening below that. And what we're doing is we're opposing each other for an electrical charge. It has nothing to do with the neocortex. There's no thought or logic in Colton's objection. It's a fear. It's a fear based around the idea that Lucifer if I was to show Lucifer compassion, if I was to research, if I was to find a Bible before King James, that I would burn in hell for seeing that truth. And we can pretend that that is victimhood, that that is someone else outside of us attacking us, that that is Lucifer itself. But what it truly is, is our own fear, our own uh, desire for light, for awareness, to just look at what the Bible used to say that it's our fear of that that's controlling us. It's our fear of that that's enslaving us. And so when I find someone who cannot see past the duality, who cannot see something as simple as anything non-digital, where we have a spectrum, I know that I'm dealing with someone on an electrical level. It doesn't matter what happens in the neocortex. So I don't even really have to understand them, their point. I more have to understand their charge what their prana economy is in this discussion. And right now, one of us, one of us is going to have to get a grappling hook up to that root up there. And that root will get us out of this pit and we will be realized again. And I realize a lot of you do not think that I have the cojones or the goods or the technique or the skills to put that grappling hook up there. But I'm going to try anyway because we need it. We need a rope to get us out of the pit, and victims are telling you I am evil for suggesting that. They are telling you that you should unsubscribe, say all these things, suggest things about my sexuality, whatever it is, because they want to stay <laughs> in the pit. And this is part of our victimhood. It's part of our desire to remain in darkness. And the only way we can fix this is we're going to have to carve some stairs into this pit to rise up. And it just so happens that Rudolf Steiner, it just so happens that the Greeks, it just so happens that literally every theological scholar prior to King James gave you that because it showed you that Venus is the perfection of man. And there's a Noctifer, a falling of man, which is Satan, and there's a Lucifer and a rising of man which is Lucifer. And that's your duality, we, right? That's your duality points? Not only is that the duality, but we're changing, except for certain people, we're changing the definition of how we feel about charge.
because what we're calling good and evil is just a very, very rudimentary, very basic way of looking at electricity. When in fact, what we should be looking at is this one is if you want to fall, this one is if you want to rise. And if you combine those two together, you now have a motor. You now have a spiritual motor going, which allows you to rise, fall, rise, fall, rise, and fall. You are now a living sine wave. You are the voice, you are the instrument, you are the vibration, the energy, the frequency, and vibration of God is going to require you to have the ability to fall and rise, fall and rise, fall and rise, and fall and rise. And we can't do that because when King James started burning herbalists, he went all crazy. He went all nuts, and he said, no, no one gets to rise. In fact, the king of Babylon is now Lucifer. So this story about king of Babylon and how the king of Babylon was trying to rise up to God, we're now going to say that that was Lucifer the whole time. And what is Lu Lucifer doesn't even mean anything, but now this is what it is, which means anyone who tries to rise is now Satan. And he broke the motor. They broke the archetypal motor, and I don't care what anyone believes. We need an electrical archetypal way to get up. We need a grappling hook on the root up there, and I can throw one. But every time I do, some dirtbag who claims to be for truth and for, and for growth comes <laughs> and chops it down and says, how dare you? How dare you try and get us out of this pit? And that's why yeah. you're seeing all this. It's not about ideas. It's about an electrical connection. It's a addiction to victimhood. That's what you're seeing right now. That's what you're seeing in real time, I'm telling you. And it doesn't have to be me. Any one of us could put the grappling hook up. I will help anyone else do it. I don't need the credit. But if we had one, all of us would be climbing out of the pit right now. We'd be out on the golden dawn. It'd be amazing. We'd be up at the top going, hey, you guys want to come out? And there'd be people at the bottom like, Colton, no, I love it down here. Leave me alone. And that's fine because that's free will. But now we have the uh, instrument back We've restored what was there prior to King James. We fixed it all. I want to remind you all, King James's first book was called Demonology. It was literally a book on how to torture and kill and prosecute witches. It was a destruction on this other idea, this idea that evil is an adjective, that evil is, is a condition that can be found and treated, that it's an awareness is what it is. It's a science of awareness instead of this other idea we have of this Zionism, which is not Christianity. If you think about what I'm telling you, the morning star, that is Jesus. That is the resurrection of Jesus, and we're shaming that. We're shaming that. And I'm literally preaching about the resurrection of Jesus. He falls, he rises. He falls, he rises. He would not rise if he did not fall first. You would have no motor at that point. Off my soapbox now. <laughs> well, what you're describing, for, for to use another symbological reference, uh, is a piston, right? Goes up and down. But what does a piston need? Well, it needs something, some kind of energy, right? Well, I think that's kind of what you call prana or uh, maybe what I, I frequently say as intent. You know, something's got to drive that piston, the, the, the decision of where you want to go. But uh, Wayne, go ahead. Take it away. All right. Well, basically, another way we could look at this, and, and here's a good analogy, okay, that, that I, I got uh, from looking at several different sources here. Think of it as like a teeter-totter, okay? The fulcrum point in the middle, okay, the, the top of the, the triangle in the middle that holds the, the, the seesaw or the teeter-totter up, that fulcrum point right there that, that at the top of that, that would be what you could consider being synonymous with God, okay? And then 
you have good on one side of the teeter-totter or the seesaw and evil on the other. And it goes up and down and up and down. This is a lever. This is kind of how this works. It's the same thing. It's the exchange of energy. It's a positive and a negative polarity. It's all electric, okay? And that's that's the way we need to be able to look at it and view it because this whole uh, realm that we live in is electric when it comes down to it. So you, you have your positive and negative polarity and everything exists. Everything exists between these two absolute poles. And actually, it, it's more like there, there's two poles for each. It's a four pole system when it comes down to it, when you get studying this stuff a little bit more heavily. So uh, that that's neither here or there. But for the analogy right now, you have to remember there's a positive and a negative pole and we exist somewhere in the middle trying to always constantly find balance. So this goes back to a concept called homeostasis. We're always trying to achieve that homeostasis within this created realm here, okay? Uh, and in so doing, in trying to find homeostasis, we're trying to find at-one-ment with God or atonement with God in so doing. So we always seek to do good, but we're fallible human beings, okay? So we sometimes do bad things or evil things. So... This is kind of how it works. So you wind up with your positive and your negative, and you're always trying to cycle back to, to get somewhere in the middle there. And it doesn't always work out so well for us because some of us are either more, you know, what you could call godly minded or good minded. And some of us have more selfish kind of uh, viewpoints of things. So. This is kind of what makes the world go around. And another good analogy for this, rather than saying positive pole or, and negative pole, think of it this, love and fear. And fear and love are opposites. So that's the thing. That's the two driving primary forces, okay, that motivate human beings in this world, love and fear. So when you seek out love, this gets you uh, to more of the mindset of, of the goodliness of things and gets you closer to this, this balance uh, with the fulcrum there in the middle. So this is what we really need to seek. But those who would seek to kind of uh, usurp our will would use the fear aspect of this to keep us in that pit, like James described. So when you're in fear, you're in the pit. Okay. And it, to get out of the pit, to seek love at the top of the pit, you have to find your balance to get out because this this is kind of where we're going. It, it's it's kind of a I don't know if that's the best analogy for it, but it's kind of a good analogy because it imparts things to kind of an electrical system. You know what I'm saying? It kind of compares it to an electrical type system because there's this constant polarity between negative and positive. And we cycle back and forth because it, it is it's it's like a waveform and it's a cycle and this is how we go. Everybody has an off day or an off moment. We're all fallible human beings when it comes down to it. And uh, the only way we could have this perfection is to achieve this at oneness with God or this atonement with God. And in order to do that, there's various different ways that we could get to that balance point. But uh, the whole concept, the introduction of the tree of knowledge of good and evil put us in this position where we separated ourselves from God and now we have to deal with those consequences to know good and to know evil and to know evil is to know fear and to know fear is to be in the pit and to know God is to know love and be out of the pit and these are our choices that we're given so 
we have to cycle back and forth in this realm between those two different ends of the polarity to get back to that place where we could be at one minute with God. And so this is why it's called a, a cycle of necessity and hardship because it's not an easy place to be but because of that initial break between man and God when we chose that we wanted to know what it is to be good and what it is to be evil to know that we had to split that connection with God and now we have to go through this in order to restore ourselves back to that at, at oneness so this is where we're at and it, it's all very like archetypal when it comes down to it it's an archetypal idea this this tree of knowledge of good and evil so this is where we're at right now we're trying to find that uh, that balance point in that way back up from falling into the total pit of fear that we're in right now the falling and the rising once again you could see the archetypal ideas coming into play and it is cyclical, and it is the season that we're in, and that's another thing we can know the seasons. And there's a reason why there's four seasons, because like I said, it comes to the, these these dual polarities. Like there's four different polarities that uh, kind of control this place when it comes down to it. That's that's something that's neither here nor there, like as far as this discussion goes. But it's it's interesting to point out that these archetypal ideas always fall back on the same types of of elements here. So. That's the thing. It, it could always fall back on the numbers, the duality between good and evil, and then the uh, the polarity of the four, the four square, uh, because we are what they would call a four square being. Um, so, yeah, you know, it's, it's interesting when you start looking at this stuff, when you start looking at uh, the works of like Walter Russell and Rudolf Steiner and all of those guys and, you know, the different philosophers and, uh, you know, Platonism and all of these different things. When you look at these different ideas, you could see how many of these philosophies interrelate through the different religious scriptures and stuff like that as well. And you could see how there's a common root back in the, the ancient past of a lot of these things. And this is a lot of information we've kind of lost touch with because of the fear in our society and how we've fallen so far because of this fear, this can, this fear that's been used for the purpose of control. So when we've, evacuated ourselves or you know given our will away our free will to somebody else to decide for us this is what happens we wind up in this pit of despair or fear and we're, we're constantly looking for a way to get out of it that's if we're really concerned with the spiritual aspect of things which a lot of people sadly aren't they're just they're i'm happy in the pit <laughs> like like james was saying and that's their their choice that's their free will and that's the other thing that's that's hard for a lot of people to come to grips with is just because you want something better doesn't mean somebody else does and you can't change their mind you could only change your mind and that's where we're at it's an individual thing each individual has to want to throw that grappling hook up and get themselves out and and that's the thing and there's some of us that could kind of try and point the way and say hey i threw my grappling hook i'm going up there see you later mm-hmm. and they could look at us and say oh okay i want what he's he's doing or, or that kind of thing. Or they could just be content with where they're at and just pay attention with what they're doing down there in that pit and, you know, go through the whole cycle over and over again. You know, I think maybe a lot of folks anthropomorphize these things a little too much, just my opinion. But uh, there's another question for you here, and that is, uh, does Venus always come up before the sun? 
I don't know if it's always no. I I, I don't know. I saw that question too. But uh, it, it's in the morning. Whenever I get up, it, it's usually up in the sky. But I haven't. I've only been watching it intently since people started calling me evil for doing it. <laughs> and then I was like, Oh yeah. Don't worry. I got a couple now. crazy, creepy Christians coming after me and a bunch. Well, I think you're on on uh, a couple people's hit list too. There, there's several what I call crazy, creepy Christians out there who are just targeting a whole bunch of us and they don't get anything right. Like they just absolutely are wrong on everything. And it's kind of entertaining to hear them rant and rave. Uh, right. It, Cause I've seen several people that have been pointed out to me. And I'm just like, you gotta be kidding me. Like absolutely looney tunes. But anyway, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Well, it's, it's, I'll tell you the, I've been experiencing a lot of vitriol uh, for a while now. And it's, uh, I think it's progress, but at the same time, it's, it's, it's also frustrating because you're realizing how many people are out to stop progress for everyone. Yeah. Yeah. There's so many people that are like, no, this guy's wrong. This guy's wrong. This guy's wrong. And the second you hear someone telling you how wrong you are, you're dealing with someone who's fallen for that Zionistic idea that there can be only one. And, and what we should be doing is working on our aperture compassion. And I talk a lot about these words, aperture and compassion, because it's the crucially the only way to understand how this universe works. And it's going to require more calories. And literally most of us just do not have those calories. We're not willing to extend them to anyone except for people that are pre-approved in our eyes as having the right thought. And that truly is why we are still in the pit. Because what I keep seeing happening is, is anyone who does throw that grappling hook, people are pointing at them and they're screaming and they're saying, that guy is evil. Yep. That guy is here to deceive and, and trick you. He's the cosmic trickster who's trying to deceive you, who's trying to get you to do whatever. And then they just go off on a tirade. And then that becomes their belief. Their belief is no longer their perspective. Belief their is belief the is, this is how much I hate you. This is how much this guy's wrong. This is how, how much I disagree. They're defining themselves by how much they disagree with something, right? And that's not real. There's nothing real about that. All that is is a hypothetical negative. It's based on the electrical charge. It's basically whatever that guy's electrical charge is, I'm the opposite. And that's not real. There's nothing real about that. That's how the zeitgeist thinks. It goes, anyone who's trying to rise above, we will be the crab and step on top of him. All of us are going to stay in this pit. All of us are going to stay in this. And anyone who tries to get out, we are going to shame. And that's truly what's happening all around us. And it's sad. Uh, am I giving up? No, but it's sad. And honestly, my voice, my my microphone, my megaphone is shrinking. It's not getting bigger. It's shrinking because I'm constantly pushing and, and, and asking us to look at these ideas. And it's expensive. It's the most expensive thing I've ever done. It started with QAnon. It started with the Epstein Palace. It started <laughs> with all the things as I pursued truth as best I could. I put my reputation first and thought, I want people to see that I'm looking at this as hard as I can, which means I have to poke at the ideas that are uncomfortable. The things that make me feel good, make me feel like a good victim, like Epstein Island, I'm going to poke at that. The things that make me feel like a bad victim, I'm going to poke at that too. And that's why you have no choice but to look at this. That's why I studied Mein Kampf. It's why I studied um, QAnon the, and, and the Mossad connections. It's why right now I'm looking at the deeper meaning of how Lucifer became Lucifer, of how we broke our motor, 
of how we destroyed our ability to throw grappling hooks out of this pit. And what I see is just a bunch of soccer players wrangling on the field, insisting that they are the biggest victim in the world, which creates this massive Olympic pump of who's the biggest victim, and no one will question that. Everyone will call that uh, like salvation. They'll call that good. We've defined victimhood as being righteous now. And that's what's killing us. That's what's making this so expensive and so hard. And anyone that has the voice to rise out of it is going to be sequestered and labeled as evil or Luciferian or satanic or whatever else is going to come out. That's what's going to happen. The ridicule just happens to be the latest portion of it. It's all exactly the same. These are victims that have an electrical fetish to keeping everyone else at their level because it would hurt to change it. And that's what's, that's what's, uh, you can say fear, Wayne, we can, but I think it's deeper. I think it's abandonment because to me, the opposite of love is apathy, not fear. Apathy is so much colder, so much colder than fear. And to me, what I see is apathy. I see people that are so apathetic, they'd rather make fun of someone that's throwing a grappling hook than going, hey, I wonder if he will get anywhere by doing that. That's where we're at right now. We're coming out of it. But man, it is hard because of our own people, (laughs) our own brethren are what's making it hard. It's not the evil guys at the top. It's the guys down in the pit going, no, don't you go anywhere. That's what's causing the, the biggest issue. By the way, happy birthday, Bobby. I meant to tell you that on my show today and you're in chat. <laughs> happy birthday. Bobby Ellison's birthday today, ladies and gentlemen. Glad she was born. Of course. Absolutely. Although if uh, if, a Kurt, if Kurt Kallenbach was here, I know he'd, he'd explain that a little better than we're saying. But let's just go with the day that you came out of the womb. <laughs> That's right. Happy Starker, Stargate Emergence Day. There you that? go. <laughs> Not that I don't <laughs> love Kurt's work. I absolutely do love it. Wayne? Uh, do you want to take up where James left off there? Yeah, and once again, a- another little semantic thing where we kind of disagree. I would say fear is the birthplace of apathy. And, and you know, you kind of would see it as the reverse, apathy being the birthplace of fear or even worse than fear. But I, I think apathy comes from fear. And that is definitely something that we do see uh, when, when we look at things here because apathy and uh, just being... Um, Having no opinion on things, that is a terrible place to be. It's it's worse than actually taking up a polarized side on things. Because these are the people that will kind of just stand by and watch other people do horrible things. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And do nothing about it. Apathy. And this, once again, goes with complacency. They're, they're one and the same in a lot of ways. Apathy and complacency. And uh, this is kind of where our society stands right now. Apathy complacency people just stand back let it happen let somebody else figure it out let somebody else worry about it and that's that's evacuating yourself again giving away your responsibility to somebody else or giving away your free will to somebody else and and that's that's probably one of the worst things Mm -hmm. uh that's going on that that basically i think could be defined as as what we would call sin and sin being Spanish for, or, you know, or using the Latin languages meaning without. without. Yep. So you're without. So this this is where we're at. So when you evacuate yourself and give away your free will and your responsibility and, you know, your, your sovereignty to somebody else to be controlled and manipulated in any way, shape or form. That's 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 a sin, and that's that's where we're at largely with society. People have been kind of uh, 
brought to this place of complacency and and just duped into it mostly by technologies and that that's basically where we're at and these technologies are a perversion of what the ancient alchemical sciences and stuff would have us do it's an inversion total inversion once again we see a lot of our modern technologies we have use a, a perversion type of a method to achieve things they 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 invert the natural order whereas if you look back at different technologies that uh, you know we purportedly have back in the old times or, or technologies that work with nature this is the way it should be but many of our technologies are based on things that work against nature combustion engines destruction you know instead you could see the polar opposite of that would be like the the Schauberger uh, repulsing engine that he built with the water this worked with nature not against nature whereas our combustion engines work against nature cause destruction they don't actually create anything or or you know that kind of thing they destroy instead and we're able to achieve certain ends with this but at the same token it's it's using the the inversion of natural order again or natural science and this is largely where we're at our technologies they're taking the place of our free will when it comes down to it. And this is ultimately where the whole transhumanist ideology comes in. Because if you want to merge your consciousness with a machine, with the artificial intelligence, eventually the artificial intelligence will do most of your thinking for you. This is the ultimate form of subverting your free will to something else. Would you call and that true Luciferianism, uh, Wayne? I would think there would be nothing more Luciferian than that, like yeah. in that kind of an idea. Because here's the thing: the the term Lucifer or Luciferian has been shifted over to this negative connotation. Okay, so that's what we're looking at when we're saying Luciferian, and when people are thinking of Luciferian ideas or Lucifer, they're putting this negative connotation on it because this is the connotation that uh, those controllers of this world that completely want to invert the natural order have adopted as their term because they see themselves as wanting to become God and to be, quote-unquote, enlightened. And they see that they could achieve this by completely inverting the natural order and taking total control of it and creating a total artificial system that they could be the gods of and they could have immortality in. And this is ultimately what they want to do. So when people are seeing the term Luciferian, this is what they're thinking because this is what the power structure has adopted. And, you know, they've they've twisted it and turned it into something that it wasn't originally intended to be. And in so doing, uh, they've they've done this whole notion where they want to use this inversion of the alchemical orders or the, the alchemical sciences to bring about this artificial system that they want to create because it's a total inversion of how nature works. So they're, they're using these technologies in ways that separate us further from spiritual things. See, this is, this is what they do. They, they try to tie us into this hyper-materialistic view, and this is why people are short-sighted when it comes to this spiritual stuff, why they don't look at it, because we've been conditioned that way. Everything's materialist. They, they say your consciousness is derived from your brain. There's no evidence that consciousness is derived from your brain, that it's a byproduct of the electrical impulses of your brain. See, that that's the thing. But 
this is the kind of ideology that they push. And when it's been, we've been indoctrinated in it from a very young age, this is kind of how we see the world. Everything's hyper-materialistic. This is all there is in, in that view. This is why things like atheism exist, because they don't want you to think in spiritual terms. They want you to just think in manifest physical terms here, okay? That's why they try to bind us in this hyper-materialist system. And there's nothing, I think, that could be considered more, quote-unquote, Luciferian than that idea. And that's kind of where we're at. They've, they've hijacked the Lucifer ideology and that Lucifer archetype to bring about this total inversion. And that's kind of, I think, where the disconnect is, because people look at the Lucifer idea and they see the archetype as being the evil archetype because that's what these people have done with it these people that that want to bring about this technocratic system all right and when it comes down to it like we've discussed only we each individual could decide their own spiritual um, direction that they want to go with this stuff do they fall into that hyper materialistic state and stay in the pit or do they want the grappling hook and get out and that's, that's where we're at, but that's the idea. These people that are in high positions of power and have worked in secret uh, within some of the secret societies and have hijacked the good ideas that the secret societies have had, and they use them to invert this natural order, uh, they, this is what they do. They're trying to bind this system of hypermateriality and turn it into a complete artificial system that they could control. And this is kind of what we're going against. So you want to be tied into the physical reality that we're in, the mundane hyper-materialist reality we're in, or do you want to have a higher spiritual awakening than that? And that's the thing. That's a decision each person has to make. Do you, do you go deeper into the materialism, or do you try, look, try for something loftier, something more spiritual, something that's not tied to your physical well-being in this place? And that's a decision each individual has to make for themselves. So it's important that we get these ideas out there so people could consider them. But, you know, take it or leave it. It's, it's totally up to you. I mean, you could decide for yourself. Do you want to pursue this avenue of thought? Do you want to pursue spirituality further? Or do you want to say, ah, it's all nonsense and just sit down and watch sports? I mean, it's, it's totally sports ball. up to each. Yeah, it's totally <laughs> up to each individual how they want to deal with this, but it doesn't make it any less important for those of us who think about these things to put the ideas out there. And none of us has the overall total answer to everything or, or completely understands everything, but it's important that we communicate these ideas back and forth, and it's important that we put them out there and talk about them. Because you know what? What does it hurt to have a conversation? You know what I'm saying about this stuff? It doesn't. I think a conversation like this is much better than like the stupid conversations you'd have. Did you see that TV show the other night? Yeah. Like, think about it. Think about all the time we waste talking about nonsense. Water cooler chat. Yeah, think about that. We waste an awful lot of time talking about nothing of real importance at all. When we could That's be thinking about though. these loftier ideas. Wayne? What was that? I said that stagnation. Oh, absolutely, that stagnation. And that's where a lot of people are at. And that's something that, uh, you know, I'm banging my head against the wall trying to, to get away from is, is stagnation from people. Mm -hmm. Try to make people think. All you could do is present the idea, and it's up to the individual 
to either pursue it and think about it and do their own research on things or do their own study on things or not. All you can do is plant the seed and walk away and hope that the seed bears fruit. James, are there any other concepts we didn't touch on that you'd like to before we start running out of time here? I think more of like a personal thing is just to say that, um, guys, I don't think that that any of, of us are going to be able to ascend or find the way out in a collective group. And I'll tell you, even watching the, the chat, it's reminding me. There, there are some friends that are in the chat that are that are speaking badly about my thoughts now, which is fine because we all need to have our disagreements. But what I'm seeing is, is something that, that that's always holding true, which is the deeper you go, the deeper you dive into your truth, the more rebuke and the more throttling you're going to get from everyone else around you. And that when it comes right down to it, it seems to me that ultimately, the ultimate goal, the ultimate truth, when I find the the eternal black belt <laughs> of this truth, it will be when no one else is around. It will be people that that will basically forsake your ideas until only you can hold them. And it seems to me that that is part of the essence of what truth is. It, it's, I've been describing it as, as truth is one single silver coin at the bottom of the ocean. And if you look at how many calories it's going to take for you to reach that coin, you're going to notice that 99.99999% of the people around you that are claiming to be in that same realm of looking for truth are not willing to sink that deeply. They're not willing to swim that far down. They're not willing to burn their lungs for it. They're not going for it. It's only one silver coin to them. And so I want people to be encouraged that as you get all these spurs from outside of you, as you get spurs from people that 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 used to be your allies, I need you to understand that it's part of this alchemical process, that the pressure that you're under to find and seek this can only be done alone. It can only be accomplished inside of yourself, inside your temple, inside your crystal ship. And that's why I'm telling people about the pineal gland. I'm trying to describe to you, this is your focal point. This is where you render the world. And these eyes are your Plato's cave. You're sending signals to your eyes. Your eyes aren't sending signals to your brain. Your pineal is sending signals to your eyes. And that's why we're not able to perceive and understand that everyone has an aperture, that each of us base what we can see on fear, and that as people reject me, what they're truly doing is showcasing their fear of the idea that I'm presenting to them. And I just want other people to feel this and understand that this is what's coming for you. This is what is part of your journey. This is not something that you're going to find you're going to do with a group. Truth is a solo sport. And I wish it wasn't that way. Oh, my God, I wish it wasn't that way. But it is because the things that, that require the most thought are the things that people around you are going to fight you for even considering, even considering it. And that's what means that's what it means to burn calories. That literally is your sacrifice. That is the vitriol, the alchemical vitriol that's required for you to emerge as gold. From lead to gold, it's gonna take massive and massive amounts of heat. So I just want people to hear that, that the heat that's coming for you, it means you're making progress. It means you're getting out of the pit. You're not gonna get any help from anyone below you. It's not gonna happen. They're gonna hate you for it. Keep going. Keep going. 
Uh, do you want to discuss the gift of Baal, as someone just asked? The gift of Baal is the concept that if we look at just how freaking evil and apathetic and evacuated we can be against each other, if we can truly look at that and understand just how the depravity we will go to evacuate each other, we can call that a gift of Baal because we can understand that that is so terrible that it's showing us just how depraved we can become and that the terrible things that are happening to you the psychopathic boards to the face that you feel every day. You can either pretend to be a victim, you can call them evil and you're good by, by circumstance. Right now, people are calling themselves good if they can be victimized by evil. Literally, if someone wants to feel good now, they just have to go out and be victimized by something evil, then they can feel good. It's part of this resonance of, of the polarity system. When you start to break out of that, you could start to find that the psychopathic system that's happening to you, this is a blender of God. God is using this like a tumbler stone. It's smoothing out your parts. And these are gifts of ball for you. The things that are happening that are bad for you are opportunities for you to refine yourself, to become stainless, to remove the rust. You're only going to get there through compassion and aperture. And the gifts of ball is your perspective on the things that are happening around you. Through the right perspective, you can use these things constructively and you can climb out of the pit regardless of anyone who tries to stop you. We're just about uh, out of time here. By the way, I want to remind everyone that uh, James was with us on Crochable 7 Radio for three episodes, 194, 207, and 230. And uh, that first one, 194, is Rose's favorite, so it must have been pretty good, James. You got her attention. Honored. <laughs> so anyway, guys, you got any final thoughts you want to throw out here before we wrap her up? Do we lose you, Wayne? Um, I, <laughs> no, I'm here. Uh, I would like to say it's it's important for people to consider all different viewpoints and all different kinds of ideas and to, uh, you know, look at these things and understand that uh, if you come, even if you come at it from a different approach or, you know, a different background, Many of these philosophies and religious ideas that we look at all come from a common source in antiquity, and we don't really know the exact source that they all emanate from because many of these things have been passed down through oral tradition for an untold amount of time. So what gets lost in translation and gets lost in the written record of things, we may never fully understand on this side of uh, reality here. But... Uh, we need to keep in mind, like many of these same archetypal ideas are, could be considered truths. Like James was just talking, and I don't necessarily like the term gifts of, of ball, but uh, what he's describing is described in scripture too. And uh, what this is, is all things work together for good for those who uh, believe upon the Lord and are called according to his purpose. And this is what it is. You're, you're sharpened like steel, uh, you know, with these negative things that come into your life. Uh, a, you're like a sword sharpened by steel from this. Uh, it's it's that kind of an idea. Uh, I don't know. Like, James has different terms for things than I would consider, but, like, you know, the, the philosophical idea or the archetypal idea is the same, no matter how we describe it. He just comes at it from a different point of view than I do. And that's okay. That's good. Because we need that diversity in thought between each other. Otherwise, we never learn, and we never grow. 
as people and we could have these kind of discussions and not always agree on all the points or anything and still have a, a really good discussion and walk away better for the conversation. And I'd like to thank James for coming on with us and glad you were here, man. Glad you could uh, kind of clear the air with some things and, and hopefully some people will be a little less apprehensive about <laughs> the things you're saying and maybe actually look into them rather than passing judgment right away. Passing judgment, especially uh, angry judgment, that's that's not, not not something good in my opinion. Open-mindedness and higher-mindedness, folks. Make us, a lot of times, truthful things make us uncomfortable. That's, that's a fact. Well, of that's life. just it, and people don't like being shaken out of their comfort zone. So, again, I'm always going to say open-mindedness and higher-mindedness. Uh, tomorrow morning, by the way, on Crow 777 Radio, the episode will be uh, with David O'Brien, episode 247. He's one of the nice Australian gentlemen we had on. Uh, he That guy drew, dropped tons of uh, law bombshells, so that should be really interesting for you folks who are really into the law thing. Uh, on Saturday, we'll be releasing an episode with a gentleman named Ron, who uh, is, does really good work with the P1000 cameras. So if you want to learn a bit more about them and hear how to actually use them better, which I personally absolutely need because I kind of suck with mine, it was great. And that's what I was doing like right before we started the stream. So that'll be uh, this week, this coming week. So anyway, James, go ahead and have the last word, whatever you want to do to wrap us up before we close down. Uh, remember, remember your potential, uh, reach for it and realize that people aren't going to like it. (laughs) So keep going, man. Keep going. This is the best apocalypse ever. All of you came here for a reason (laughs) here for this event right now, what you're watching unfold. It's very important that you give it your full witness. And I welcome that from all of you. And it's a real pleasure to be on the show. Wayne, it's uh, really, really been a big fan of your work, especially the transhumanism stuff. Um, my latest novel touches a lot on things that you've touched on too, and I, I just, I really respect your mind, and I appreciate you, you bringing, you bringing your perspective here uh, alongside of mine. So thank you both, guys. Thank you so much for having me on. R- real pleasure. Thank you. And James, why don't you tell everybody where to find you in case they're not familiar with your work? You can come and unsubscribe to me right now. You can go to YouTube and do a search for James True, and you will find my channel there, and you can unsubscribe. And uh, that'd be great. Or if you want to subscribe, you could do that too. I do a live <laughs> show morning at 11 a.m. Uh, you can watch Roast, then you can watch me, and it's a great it's a great uh, mix to your morning. And uh, we talk about stuff like this and a lot more on that show. Uh, I've got four books out. The last one is called Quantum Rapture. It talks about what is actually happening with this coming to Lucifer, the rise of the Tower of Babel, the technology, the transhumanism is going to reach a singularity, and this book is describing that. Um, So that's my latest. I won't bore you with the others, but there's four books there, a lot to choose from and and think about, and I hope you'll consider my work. So uh, thank you much. All right. That's going to do it, folks. Thank you so much for joining us. Sorry we didn't have a show the pa- this past couple weeks, but we're we're back into the swing of things. And, of course, if James wants, he's always welcome back. So take care, everyone.